0: Welcome to The Fight with Teddy Atlas, presented by Dynamic Striking. I'm Ken Rideau, joined as always by the legend, Boxing Hall of Famer, the great Teddy Atlas. Teddy, how you doing? Happy Easter.
1: Yeah, happy Easter to the Union family. Hope it was great. And also um, to all uh, fans out there who celebrate that, and happy Passover, and um, happy Ramadan, and um, everything. Uh, Hopefully I cover all bases. And here we are at Marathon Update Headquarters, live, (laughs) live, live in Boston, where the Boston Marathon just finished, and uh, my guy here just finished the marathon. I don't know how many marathons you've run now in your career, but... You just finished the marathon. You you took a quick shower. You're at your hotel in Boston. Give us the live update. Um, I know you ran a 230, which is remarkable. I know that you won your age group of 50 and over. Uh tell us tell us what you can. Give us an update on the race, the weather, um, how difficult it was, and uh your expectations, if they were fulfilled.
0: Yeah, thank you. Uh, it was races actually still going on. I when I say I just finished, I, like I just finished, ran back to the hotel, took a shower. I ran two hours, thirty minutes, and twenty seconds. I had hoped I would run just under two thirty. I went through the first half at 112, feeling good, but it's very fast first half. It's pretty much downhill for the first half. And then you hit like Heartbreak Hill, which is a series of like four hills from 16 to 21 miles, which is super debilitating. But even when I got through there at 22, I still thought, okay, I could run 227, 228. in the last two miles, oh my God, it was a death march. I was, I, I like, I didn't even think I would be able to finish. It was just all like, guts and heart just trying to championship like, rounds right i mean championship oh, rounds and rounds. literally like that's what it felt like like someone was trying to kill me and i was trying to fend them off that's i mean it was that kind of desperation in my mind of like i'm hurting i desperately want to stop and um people i was just telling rob people were doing to me what i wanted to do to them they were running by me with authority like yes i saved a little bit for the end and they were just storming past me and i was like oh this is insult to injury to see someone just run by the way they're supposed to. And I was just holding it together, but it is what it is. I won my age group 50 and over. I, I've now won uh, Boston and New York second in London, and I'm going to do Chicago and Berlin in the fall. And that will only leave Tokyo left to do for the marathon majors, but all in all, great day. I was lucky enough to um, ride the pro bus out there with my friend, Des Linden, who won Boston in 2018. Just a great day. The weather was perfect. It was a vicious headwind all day, which just kind of stinks, but it is what it is. Everyone had the same conditions, you know, we just.
1: At least it wasn't warm, right? The worst. Yeah, thing was is-
0: Exactly. The colder, the better, assuming it's not below freezing, but it was in the high forties, which is perfect running condition. It was, it was just perfect condition. It's just a super, super hard course. And, um,
1: No, no, you did great. You did great. You did tremendous. I can't wait until we can get the uh, results as far as where you place, you know, uh, in the Masters. The Masters is – is uh, 40 and over, right? Am yeah, correct? yeah, yeah.
0: That's a big one. Yeah, that's that's a big deal. The winner of that, they put their name on the, uh, f- on the start line on like some bricks where they put the winners of the uh, different divisions every year. It's there forever. I think there were a couple of professional, like legit professional runners that were like 40, 41 years old. So we'll see. I'll find out in the next couple hours. The award ceremony is in like an hour and a half at uh, Fenway. So I'll go over there and see, what, uh, see where I finished in the Masters division. C- congratulations. Good job. Job. Thank you. Thank you, Teddy. I appreciate you. But uh, exciting weekend. I love that this race is on a Monday. That means I could stay up late watching the fights on Saturday. And, oh, my God, Errol Spence did not disappoint. Wow. Teddy, I don't think he could have looked better. I mean, he had that one instance, and I have a million questions for you about the mouthpiece. The mouthpiece fell off, I think, in the sixth round. And he looked down. He, I mean, it was it was all his own fault. He looked down, waited for the ref. To stop it, the ref didn't stop it. And Ugas cracked him and uh, had him hurt. Had him hurt against the ropes, really hurt. I probably don't hurt I've ever seen, Spence, but you'll correct me if I'm wrong. And, um, of course, Spence behaved like a champion, came back strong. I mean, the, the pressure he put on Ugas, for, for me, was just incredible. He was relentless. And, and, and the damage to the eye, and here's another example, Teddy, of a busted, eye, a busted uh, orbital. Ugas refuses to quit. The eye couldn't have been worse. It was closed shut. The doctor kept asking him. You can tell when a doctor asks the fighter, like, can you see? As soon as the fighter says no, he knows the fight's over. So it's an easy way to get out if you want. out. And, if, you know, look, if you can't see, you can't see. But we all know that if you say you can't see, the fight's over. And the guys like Atorogadi Gotti type guys, uh, Ugas, uh, Noni, um, uh, Inoue, They'll tell you they can see it. Both eyes are closed. But uh, he kept going. Turns out he has a badly damaged orbital bone, broken orbital bone. And, um, you know, he feels full gas. but my God, Errol Spence looks great. So I'm, I've got a couple of things. So I'm dying to hear your thoughts on the fight, but also dying to hear what you think Spence and uh, Crawford now, given Spence's, um, that recent perform- the performance from Saturday. Also, when that mouthpiece came out, part of me is like, it's a fight the mouthpiece comes out the ref should just say okay you're, you lost your mouthpiece at the end of the round we can get it back but this like waiting until there's a break in the action you know i could you could tell spence didn't wasn't clear on that and he got cracked and it almost cost him but i want to talk to you about that mouthpiece rule as well so first off what do you think of the fight
1: well, i'll just touch on one thing real quick that you just said i named another guy that Uh, I could be closed both eyes could be closed he's still going Carmen Basilio uh, you know the late Carmen Basilio Hall of Famer uh, former welterweight champion has a win over Sugar Ray Robinson Uh, he lost to Robinson too obviously everybody who beat Sugar Ray Robinson (laughs) they lost in a rematch that's one of the things that made Robinson so so special so great but um, to your point yeah there's a a few guys, that, that's the choice they make. That's, uh, that's the code they live by. But as far as this fight, um, we called it. Uh, we were on it. Uh, if you went to, you know, if you bet with my book and go to the window and collect, baby, because we, we were, I, we don't get them all right. But I remember almost verbatim saying, hey, He's a counter-puncher. Styles make fights. You know, Old Guys is a counter-puncher. He's not a real busy guy. He got outworked by Pacquiao, but he landed the hard, the Southport killers, the hard right hands against Pacquiao uh, enough to win that fight. But it was close. I felt that, that fight was close. Uh, again, he got outworked by Pacquiao. And I said it and I said it emphatically. He is not outworking Spence. I tell you right now, his only chance to win is to knock him out, to hurt him. Actually, that was the words. I said to her, and he did hurt him. Uh, you know, different, different circumstances led to it. But look, it don't matter. At the end of the day, he hurt him. And, but I also said that I felt Spence had a good enough chin to survive anything. Uh, if, if he got to that place and he did get to that place, I thought he could survive it. I also thought his defense was good enough that he's not going to get tagged all night long. And I just felt that Spence was – he had this style to really counter the counterpunch. And I don't mean counter him literally. I mean to counter that style where you cannot be an effective counterpuncher, can if there's nothing to counter. And when a guy's got a good jab and he uses it, like Spence, see, I said this a long time ago before it was as popular to say, where is not just an aggressive guy. He's, he's a well-rounded, fundamentally, technically solid fighter. He was an Olympian. He's not just a seek and destroy missile. He, he is a guy that, as I said, is an all around good boxer. And, he uses a jab. That's why Mikey Garcia, I know he was smaller, but he couldn't counter punch because he doesn't allow, Spence doesn't allow you to counter punch because when a guy uses a jab at the right range at the right distance, effectively, you can't counter him. There's nothing to counter. He wants you to reach like Pacquiao did a little bit, you know, uh, and Pacquiao's not as fast as he used to be. So he got caught, but and he used to get away with that. Pacquiao used to run red lights and get away because he had spectacular speed. <clears throat> Excuse me. He was like a uh, Ferrari running a red light. No cop was going to catch him. You know what I mean? And Spence uses that jab at the right range to clear the way. And as he's coming with that, you can't count him. There's no space. There's no reaching. You know, there, there's, there's no opportunities to sneak in those counters. So I knew if he took that game away from Uga's, he was dead in the water. Game over. Game over. Really, for the most part. Game And this was a one-sided fight. A good one-sided fight. Because the early part was the chess game. Both guys trying to get what they wanted. Uga's trying to get the counters. Spence trying to make sure he don't counter, not get careless, and be the boss. Establish a rhythm, you know. Start to start to burn the house down, so to speak. So, but then once we got to the sixth, and we had that, you know, we we had the drama that we had in the fifth, sixth. It it became all spent. He took over. He started taking a he started taking the building apart, brick by brick, brick by brick, taking the building apart. And what happened? I mean. There's, there's three things basically or that you have to do to nullify a counterpuncher. Number one, or really basically, oh, and in this case, he had to do two or three things. One was use the jab, as I just said. The other is the strength of Olga's, besides his style of counterpunching, is that he's pretty good defensively. How do you dismantle a guy defensively? Go, well, put water in the basement. Go to the body. He flooded out the basement. Flooded it out. I mean, you know, so, so he, he understood very well what the game plan had to be, what he had to do. He, of course, again, being Spence, of what he had to do against this particular fighter. And he understood, you know, what he couldn't do. He couldn't get caught with uh, reaching in, getting over anxious. He couldn't get caught with the right-handed Southport killer. And he did, but he survived it because he had a good enough chin. And the, in the sixth round, the reason he got caught, and you touched on it, he got hit on the side. The mouthpiece went flying, and he, he made a big boo-boo. He looked <laughs> he, he let his focus go. You can't let your focus go on anything that you do at this level. And he did. You know, I mean, it would be like driving a, a Ferrari, a race car in Indianapolis 500, right? You're driving it, Ken, and then all of a sudden uh, a tire goes flying by your your window. Really. And it could happen. It, it could happen. Uh, that's, that's a real possibility. And you do this, Ken. You can't do that. You can't look at the tire flying. You got to let it fly. You can't look because you're going you're gonna to crash into the wall. So that's what happened. He looked at the tire flying. He looked at the mouthpiece. And he got caught a good right hand because of it. But I'll tell you something the commentators missed, Ken. Um, I didn't miss it. I don't know. I, I get lucky sometimes. I went back to make sure. There, about 30 seconds before that tire went flying, before the mouthpiece went flying, I, he, Ugas had his back to the ropes, facing the ropes, and Spence was on the attack. And all of a sudden, I'm, I'm curious if you saw this, Ken he, he stumbled back two steps. He just stumbled back. And then he went back at it. And he caught himself. And he went back at it. The announcer said nothing, nothing. And, and, I'm, and I'm saying, wait a minute, something, something happened there. So I went back and I watched it. He got caught a right hand. He caught, got caught a short, beautiful right hand by Ugas. Beautiful. Just boom, right inside the this- Right inside, bang, right inside. I, I, he might have been thrown a left hook and bang, he got caught a right hand and he's staggered back two steps. That's what caused that. And then 30 seconds later, of course, the mouthpiece goes out and he, you know, he gets caught that real clean right hand that hurt him. Now, here's another part. I try to touch everything. We, we pride ourselves in being the X ray uh, division of boxing, right? The CAT scan of boxing. Did the referee, did the referee, I know there's fans out there going to be glad I'm touching this, and they'd be probably saying, why didn't you say something? We were looking for somebody to answer a question. But did the referee get too involved, and did he save him? Did he save him? Did he give him home cooking? Now, I don't say that he did, but when his mouthpiece went flying, the rule is, when there's a low in action, you, you replace it. Now, was there a low in action at that point? I don't know. I'm, I'm honest. I, I'm not sure. It, it's close. It's a close call. But he did decide, Lawrence called the referee, did decide to step in a very experienced guy. He was calling fights when I was doing the Friday Night Fights for all those years in, on ESPN, he, he decided to step in at that moment, replace the mapping. It did, hey, it did give him time to recover. Would he have recovered without? See, that's the, that's the million-dollar question. Would he have covered? And nobody talked about it. That's the funny part about it. But would he have recovered without that? It's kind of like the long count with Jack Dempsey and Gene Tunney. you know, when, uh, when the Marcus and Queensberry rules were just put in place. Uh, in old days, you used to drop a guy and you could stand right over him. Yeah, Ken, you could stand right over him. And as soon as a knee came off, the bang, you get in him again. That was the first Marcus and Queensberry rules fight where you had to go to a neutral corner if you scored a knockdown. Then she scored a knockdown in that first fight with the great Gene Tunney and a great – Jack Dempsey obviously too and it was for Dempsey's title and he didn't go to the corner, he forgot the rules, so it took maybe four seconds for the referee to get him to the neutral corner before he could pick up the count so the count was probably 14 seconds instead of 10 seconds so a lot of people, they called it the, it's a historic fight they called it the long count and a lot of people said, wait, 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 wait. Would, would he have survived if Dempsey, you know, hadn't wasted that four seconds getting, you know, pushed to a neutral corner. I think he would have, I think Tony would have. And I think, again, I think in this case, Spence would have recovered. That's, that's my feeling, but it is something that took place. It it, it did become uh, intangible, if you will, in the fight. Um, and I'm sure that, uh, I'm sure that some people were thinking the same thing. Gee, did he have to step in at that moment, you know? And if he didn't, what would have happened? But from that point on, man, I mean, the floodgates were open. You know, I, I mean, I, I think I tweeted out, and Rob was putting them up there for me, as as always, if it's not him, it's Ian, um, uh, who's tremendous uh, – he, he's always in the bullpen for us and appreciate the hell out of him uh, to get those tweets up for me because I'm a caveman. I don't know how to get them up. I only know to have him.
0: teammates. It's good to have teammates like Ian that can show up. They oh, never forget about are unavailable, Rob. And not, not only
1: show up, but he's like, Rob, he does the job at the level
0: that you want it done. Just never any excuses, never any BS, just like, hey, we're recording this day or, hey, we need tweeting this time. Just, yep, yep, whatever you need. Just like professionalism, no. I had yes. tweeted.
1: I had tweeted that it was like high tide coming in at the yep. shore. I mean, it came in. Whoa, whoa, whoa. it came in. It came and it was taking everything on the beach. It was taking everything and. And Ugas had built a sandcastle, you know, and, and man.
0: Sandcastle, Teddy, was taking cars from the parking lot. It was, that was just, uh, oh my God.
1: But, but I always feel sad when I see those kids make the sandcastle and then all of a sudden the wave (laughs) just just, wipes it out. And, and, and he tried to move the sandcastle back. His heart (laughs) kept him in it. No, it was hard, but, but, the, but the waves
0: kept coming. They kept coming. They got the kids' sandcastle, the parents' chairs, the cooler, the umbrella, everything was gone.
1: Yeah, the tanning lotion, everything. <laughs> right? And so, and boy, I mean, it just, he, he didn't stop uh, body and head, head and body uppercuts mixed in, chose all the right The punches. punch selection was crazy. Well, there was only two he needed on the inside. Body and uppercuts. That's all he needed. That's all he needed. because the body was gonna cause him to lean a little, the uppercut was gonna do the job. So he was going up and down beautifully, beautifully. And he just, you know, he kept pouring it on, pouring it on, pouring it on. And again, the only thing that kept Bulgars in a fight that long was was his, you know, his heart. His heart was as unrelenting as the pressure was from Spence. The the couple of things I gotta throw in there quick. With that, though, is that the, the fighters were f- obviously fan-friendly. But I tell you, the referee wasn't. He, was, he might have been in there too much during the night. Just too many times, you know, showing himself in that fight. Uh, he wasn't as fan-friendly as the fighters. And, and the thing that I got to say also, because they went to the corner, and you could hear the corner, and... In one time, it, it kind of drove me nuts, Ken. Tell me how you feel about this. And the fans out there, uh, if they were thinking the same thing. But you're hearing it clear what they're saying. And so he's getting really, I mean, look, he's getting beaten from the South Pole to the North Pole. And, and he comes back in a corner, and the corner says, How are you feeling? Well, how, what kind of person is that? <laughs> Ken. Ken, how about saying you want a pepperoni pizza? It makes about as much sense. I mean, how are you feeling? I'd like once where the fighter could say what he wants to say, probably. Like, how the F do you think I'm feeling? <laughs> <laughs> you want to step in here and, and give me a break for a couple of I mean, come on. Really? 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 And, and, then, and then later in the fight when it's the same thing, same thing, and then all of a sudden, the the, the corner says that that was uh, that was a better round, a better round, a better of a white because you got to hit 110 times instead of 142. I mean, a, a be- He goes, that was that was better. And and then the fighter replied, so unusual. The fighter replied and said, why? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's unbelievable. <laughs> I I mean, the uh, the commentators, I would have commented on that. Because that basically told you it was over. I mean, we knew it was maybe over, but that kind of told you. When a fighter says, why are you telling me that was bad? What did I do? Like, basically what he's saying is, what did I do for you to say it was better? What what did I do? Not die?
0: (laughs) I, I don't know. I don't know. I just... Have you ever seen Spence look better? I don't remember seeing
1: him look this yeah, good. Yeah, I've seen him look about as good, but no. With with that level of fighter, to your question, better? No. Um, he, he looked the way that you want Spence to look, uh, a relentless fighting machine uh, that's also technically sound. And, uh, you know, he he goes to the body, he goes to the head, He his punches are delivered the right way, his footing is right, his balance is right. You know, like I said, he pays attention to technical detail. Um, I th- I'll tell you what I walked away with it is, A, the only fight we want to see, of course, now is him and Crawford. And, they seem to both want it. And it reminds me of Hearns Leonard. It does. It reminds yeah. me when, when that was the welterweight fight that everybody won. It reminds me it's going to be a big fight. It's going to be mm. a really – now, it's good that it waited. It's good yeah. that it, it it marinated. It really is because now it's really going to be a big fight. And what became obvious to me, I'd be interested to see what my bookie says. But uh, that Spence will be a good will be the favorite. There's no doubt about that. I feel he'll be the favorite now. And most people, a lot of boxing people, most writers, I think most of the writers, they will they will feel that. Now off of this, Spence will win. Based on he's too big, he's too strong, and he's too relentless for the smaller man who's moved up to his third weight class. But so most people will think that, except for one, the guy you're talking to. (laughs) I figured. And I'll get into that when the fight is made. When the fight is made and it's, you know, it's, We need to talk about it in that kind of way, who's going to win and all that stuff, and the possibilities of, you know, winning and what each guy has to do. I'll get into it then, but I'll tell you right now, I'm not one of the guys that – I love Spence, always have, but I'm not one of the guys who's jumping on. I still feel I know what I know about both guys and about Crawford, um, and, yeah, he looked great. He looked great, Spence. But it does not deter me from my thinking and my opinion that uh, Mr. Crawford is, is – I, I, I like him. And, and it'll be a hell of a fight. It'll be a hell of a fight and a hell of a test for both men. The only thing I can give you off of it is um, Crawford has the ability to – I Spence to adapt to different things, but he's got the instincts and he's carried his power up and weight because yeah. you're going to have to you're going to have to get Mr. Spencer's attention. You're, you're going to have to do that. Uh, you're going to have to ring the doorbell. Yeah, you're going to have to ring the doorbell. But he's got he he's got the instincts that I haven't seen him too often. Those kind of instincts uh, that Crawford has. And he's a he, he's a junkyard dog. I oh, expenses yeah. too, but That's anyway, it would be a hell of a fight.
0: Yeah, that was all. It was just great. Um, but yeah, everyone's looking forward to that. Let's jump over to the UFC in a rematch of uh, Vincente Luque and Bilal Muhammad. I think it was UFC 206. Uh, Luque knocked out uh, Muhammad in the. Um, first round if I'm not mistaken and since then bilal has been on a seven fight win streak he had the no contest against Leon Edwards where he got the really bad eye poke but other than that he's been dominant he won a unanimous decision handled his business you know I think Luke might have won one round on two scorecards and two on another but uh pretty much uh lopsided decision for uh Balal Muhammad he keeps getting it done so congratulations to Balal Muhammad how'd you like that one?
1: So he had to do three things. I liked it a lot because I give a lot of credit to Muhammad for having just a superior fight plan, an excellent, excellent fight plan strategy, <laughs> and he executed it almost flawlessly. He only lost one round, and then he got he got back to work uh, with that fight plan, and he had to do three things to win that fight. The first thing was not an easy thing. The first thing was not a physical thing. Uh, so much as it was a mental thing, he had to get rid of the ghosts from the from the attic of what you just mentioned you know of that first fight, yeah, it was two thousand sixteen a long time ago, I get it, but he got knocked out in one round, and he he had to he had to get those uh at, he he had to get those ghosts out of the belfry, and um he did and and the way he was See, it was important to win. I don't say everyone has to win the first round. When you're coming off a knockout loss in a rematch to the guy that you had lost to, yeah, you got to win the first round if you're going to have a chance to win the fight, pretty much. Because that helps get the ghost out of the attic. It gets your confidence back. Gives you something to build on. And so that was brilliant. He knew he had to do that. And how did he do it? Well, he did it in two ways. First of all, he understands the one place he has an advantage. Muhammad is on the mat, you know, uh, grappling and you know, doing doing his thing on the mat. Uh, but he knew that if that's all he concentrated on, that he would be predictable. And he also knew that there would be times that he would have to at least hold his own, survive, find a way while striking to be able to, at the very least, not get hurt, not, not get caught, and be able to manage on his feet while during these periods, during these striking periods. And he found a way to do that. Um, again, he, it, it wasn't likely that he would be able to be on the mat for, you know, 25 minutes. So he had to come up with the right strategy during the times that he was going to be striking. And he 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 did it, and he also had to come up with a way to mix in getting on the mat enough to be able to also grab parts of rounds where he killed time and he was the boss in his environment, on the mat. And he, he did it brilliantly. He, he won the first round, got the ghost out of there, and he used his legs to box. He used his legs to keep Luke from getting set to really administer the strikes that he wanted to. Now, there was one round, I think it was the third round, where – Luke with his pressure, because he was really bringing the pressure, Ken, with oh, his I know. pressure and with his accurate strikes, effective, impactful, impactful, where he was feeling them. A couple left hands there. With those strikes, those straight left hands, there were moments there where Luke looked like between that and the pressure. He was going to start to break down, Muhammad, wear him down. Like we talked about the Ugas fight where Ugas got worn down. We we would, I was saying, and I even tweeted that, that this pressure is starting to take a toll on Muhammad. I don't know if he's got the petrol in the tank to get all the way home, you know, to, to make it all the way home. Uh, It made me think of that movie, Justice Fall, without Pacino. That was a great movie where where he went with that crazy judge. He used to have his lunch out on the ledge because he was suicidal. He was suicidal, the judge. (laughs) And and so he took this lawyer, Pacino, on a a helicopter ride, and and Pacino's scared of heights. He didn't want to go, but it's the judge, and he needs a favor from the judge. So he goes. And he's up there, and he heard all the rumors. He saw it, that the judge is suicidal. So he's up there, and he goes, you know, uh, I play a little game. So Ficino was great. Ficino goes, what, 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 what kind of game? You know, he's up in the air. He goes, what, what, what kind of game do you play? He goes, well, I calculate how much gas I got, you know, to get back. And then I go a little past the uh, halfway mark. <laughs> what? What? You? What, we went past the halfway mark? Yeah, but, but I'm... But then I, you know, that I, I, I try to get back in time. Don't worry. We're going to make it. And then he's going back. And he's like, this. he this. oh, my God. Oh, my God. He's praying. And then it starts to sputter. And, and they, you know, it's going to crash. And he's like screaming. But they, they made it almost to shore. They didn't get it hurt. They made, and that's, that was a good movie. That's what yeah. I thought. And Rob's going to get that up. I know. Uh, I didn't tell him ahead of time. But that's what I thought, Ken. Will he, get, will he get back? <laughs> will he get home? Will he get to the fifth round of, you know, and finish it up? And that was another great thing because he understood that if the pressure maintained itself like that, he probably wouldn't get. He probably wouldn't get back home. So what he did was he, he got on his, his horse, on his bicycle, moving his legs even more. And he pot it in between. He pot it just enough in between to win parts of the round and to get the respect of Luke A and get Luke, keep Luque from getting dominant. You know, he never quite let the pressure get in full gear where it was, where it was choking. He never quite let that happen. He broke up Luke's rhythm enough in in three different ways, using his legs while he was striking, keeping him off balance, not letting him get set, and then pot shotting in between, catching him shots in between. And then at the right time, when Luke wasn't ready, bang, take the shoot and get in, get him on the floor. And then he used that to recuperate, you know, to get a little reprieve, like a pit stop in a race, you know, in a, in a uh, you know, in a, in a uh, five, in a Indianapolis, I said earlier, uh, whatever, whatever, in, this, in, in those kind of races where you get to pull into the pit and you get to refuel, he used it that way. I thought, and it took a lot of discipline to do that. Um, and he did it around Ramadan. You know, I'm not making that a big thing,
0: but it could be a yeah, big but it thing. But bi- it is a big thing. He was fasting for a week and his whole team joined it, him. It was yeah. Stuff, yeah.
1: I, and listen, I think that you do get certain dispensations with the religion if you're doing something athletic or somewhere you need to eat a little. I think there are special. I think. I'm not 100%, but I think there are special dispensations where you could be allowed to maybe... You know, eat a little something, whatever. If, if you're doing something like athletic, uh, that is going to, you know, that obviously there's a need to have some nutrient in you, I think. But either way, it, it did add to the – it was an X factor. And it did add, um, you know, to what he had to deal with. Uh, you know, he had to deal with fighting a guy who had knocked him out in one round and a guy who's a tremendous striker, very strong, and – with Ramadan, you know, not being able to be on your normal schedule of you know of eating, which is so important to to an athlete and of course to a fighter, so he handled that. In some ways, I think he turns it around and he uses it as a plus. A lot of people are going to say, "How, oh, Ted? If he couldn't eat, maybe quite as well. how's that a plus?" Well, I think he, obviously, I think he found a way to eat what he had to. But number two, spiritually, it's a plus. Because why are you doing it? You're doing it because of what you believe in. And if you're doing it, even under these circumstances, you feel that you're doing the right thing and that that will be with you. You will be served by doing what you, in a religion, religion can be very powerful, very powerful. And so you're doing something in a spiritual way and obviously you believe that it will benefit you. And mental part is so important in these things. So it's 75% of it. So here, here you are believing that you got the upper hand because of what you're doing with your religion. So in that way, I, I really do. I think it's interesting. And that's why I brought it up because I think it is interesting, but he, he was brilliant. He, he executed. He, you got to have a fight plan. He had a fight plan. He, uh, like I said, he kept them off balance. He pot-shotted. He, he took the shoots at the right time. Um, and except for one round where it looked like the pressure was going to get to him. But again, give him credit. The next round, what's he do? He's, he, he puts an end to that. He puts an end to it. He puts an end to it. He behaves like a champion, in other words. He behaves like a fighter. He goes out there. He doesn't continue to go down the hill. He now steadies the ship, and what's he do? He goes out there, and he keeps more bounds. He pot shots some more. He gets to shoot when he needs it. He wins. I, I, I felt he won uh, four rounds. The one thing, four out of five rounds. The one thing that I got to say about, I talked about the corner, Ken, in the Ugas fight. I got to talk about it here. I thought that after... Four rounds, he was down three to one. I really did. I felt pretty strong about that. And it turned out, I think the judges' scores um, backed me up on that. I I felt that he was down three to one. But the corner, he asked the corner, shows you how he's he's looking for something. He was a little desperate. He asked the corner, um, Luke, he said, "Uh, is is it three to one? And the corner lied to him. I believe they lied to him. They said, no, it's 2-2. Too, too. And I understand why they lied to him, because they didn't want to discourage him. But i i tell you the truth. I always believe in the truth anyway, and I would have, and I understand it's not that these guys are liars or they're bad morale or bad character. It's nothing to do with that. They were, they were doing what they thought was needed to do in the corner when you have to make decisions in the corner sometimes of what you're going to say to a fighter. And they chose to do that for the reasons they did. I would have chose to tell him the truth because he needed to be urgent. He was down, Ken. He, there needed to be an urgency. There needed to be almost a desperation, but definitely an urgency in his action. And he only had one round left, five minutes left to do it. So I, I tell you, in that same circumstance for me, I'm no smarter than those guys. Those guys are the experts. I get it. I'm, not, I'm just saying from that standpoint of being a quarterman, which I've been in that position so many times in my life, I, I, not that I'm right all the time, but I, I think I would have chose to say, hey, no, it's, it's three to one. And you better freaking get out there and make something happen. You better freaking get going, babe. Yeah, right now. Well, we we we. If we don't get a knockout, we at least need some serious damage right now, right now, because you're losing otherwise. So I would have said, hey, no, it's three to one, and you better get freaking moving. You better get on his backside. But uh, tremendous. Not the most scintillating fight in the world, I know, uh, what we usually expect in UFC, but interesting. An interesting chess match. Uh, chess match in a way where one guy, really, one guy was playing chess and the other guy was playing checkers, you know, uh, and, and Mr. Muhammad was playing chess. And he had, a,
0: he had a hell of a chess game. Oh, hell yeah. Well, the whole car per usual was exciting for the UFC. Um, one other thing we didn't have on the docket, but I don't know. I don't even know if you, you had seen it, but uh, Isaac Cruz, uh, Isak Cruz. Um, oh, my God. He put it on Gamboa. Gamboa hopefully doesn't fight again. Did you see that one?
1: Yeah, I did. Ken, Ken, I know it's OK. Ken, listen, I saw it was sad because How long are they going to let this guy go? Because he's a game guy. He was a gold medalist in the Olympics for the national Cuban team, which was the best team in the the world, in the amateurs. And he was a world champion featherweight. Uh, I don't know if he won it at junior lightweight, too. Uh, He was the most significant fight that Crawford had when Crawford was, was just getting, you know, up there to the, to the level that he's at now. I mean, uh, when Crawford was really just starting to make himself known, that was a big win for him. And he got tested in that fight. Crawford got hurt, actually, in that fight by Gamboa. Gamboa always had lightning speed. He could punch. I mean, you know, he like I said, he was a world champion. He was a gold medalist. And to see him now at 40, you know, he's been knocked down, I think, 20 times. I think hey. the commentator said... Um, you know, uh, I, I, amazing heart, amazing resiliency, recuperative power. Amazing, even when he got hurt at the end, which I'm glad they stopped it. Even he, 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 in between the time that he was like looked like he was out to the time the referee got to him, he recuperated. It was, Fair it enough. was, it was extraordinary. But listen, uh, he's forty. He's taking these kind of punches of. Uh, for a long time now, uh, when is enough enough? No, really, yeah, I love the yeah, guy, right. but when is enough? When do you say? When does someone say, "Hey, no more"?
0: I mean, really, when when he don't when he don't get up? Uh, yeah, but that's indicative of boxing. Like whoever's controlling him is probably like, "Hey, one more payday. What the hell? Let's keep going until he's like so compromised he can't do anything else for work for the rest of his life." But nevertheless, I saw it after the fight, uh, Ryan Garcia's calling Isaac Cruz out. So that would be an interesting fight. What do you think of uh, Garcia versus Cruz? I, I,
1: it's a good style fight for Garcia. It's an interesting fight. It's a fun fight to, to, to visualize in my mind that I would like to watch. Because Me too. Style-wise, Ryan Garcia has the right style. He can stand on the outside. He's got long arms. Much, obviously, he's taller and longer than Cruz, who's kind of short. Um, but Cruz, give him credit. He dips, he slips. Yeah, you know, he he sets up his punches, but they're wide, and yep. and you know Garcia is more of a laser point puncher. You know oh, yeah. he, he he really is, and for the most part, and um, you know he's a guy. He, he's a guy that is a real good sharpshooter. And, and he likes to catch you coming in. That's that's what he prefers, Garcia. That's his mentality. And his style fits that mentality. Uh, his skill sets uh, fit that mentality. Where he, if he's got his brothers, he stands on the outside, bop, bop, bop. He sharpshoots you coming in, keeps, keeps the range, keeps the distance, makes you pay for real estate, you know, has a chance with that, Good kind of left hook you know, to get it in between one of those wide shots. Really, he has a good chance to do that. Even a straight right hand in between one of the wide left hooks. So I see Garcia wanting to take that fight. I can see why the style makes sense for him to take it. i still like to see it because um, this Cruz is a gutsy guy. He's just coming into his old. You know, what really made him was uh, losing to Giante Davis in a very competitive way, much more competitive than anybody thought the fight was going to be. And um, so uh, he's 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 hot right now. Cruz, Uh, he's fan friendly. Uh, The network obviously likes him. Uh, And I'm sure that fight probably could be made, I would think. Uh, And. It it would be fun to watch because I give the edge to Garcia, but I also would find it interesting if Cruz with his heart and he seems to have a good chin, you know, if he could get in there, back up Garcia, get past that jab of Garcia's, you know, get past some of the danger uh, at uh, at the front front steps, and if he could get into those back steps, you know, uh, get past some of the danger at the front door and get into the into the you know get in past that front door uh I think that it could be interesting with those wide shots he throws with power and he throws with bad intentions um where maybe he can catch God see backing up uh and and really then it would be then it would be fun to watch then it would be fun to watch so yeah i wouldn't i i wouldn't mind I wouldn't mind seeing that
0: yeah, um a couple of topics before we sign off um and we had Jake Paul on for anyone who hasn't seen that interview, go back and watch it. Posted last week. Uh super fun interview. Whether you like him or hate him, I think you'll find it interesting. Like uh l- l- like Muhammad Ali, you can love him, you can hate him, but everyone shows up to watch and everyone's interested in him. But um he mentioned on our show that one of his candidates, so one of the potential fights he's thinking about having is Michael Bisbing. Now, Bisbing is missing an eye. I mean, like I'm I'm not trying to be funny. He has he's he has one like he's Blind in an eye, and he has a in a prosthetic eye. And I love Michael Bisman. Actually, we'd love to have him on the show too to address. But how what's could going that on. fight
1: be? How could that fight be approved by any
0: commission? Well, I think Bisman was saying, "Let's do it on an Indian reservation." Bisman I'll get is it. a yeah. He's a warrior. He's he's a savage.
1: He's just the problem his is,
0: I think the problem for Bisbee is if he really wants that fight, is he did a good job of faking his way through and bullshitting the doctors when he was getting scanned and getting tested, and he, he has said that. He's like, look, I, I did everything I could to pass those tests, even though I couldn't see, and he wrote he just did a documentary about it.
1: Well, there was a particular fight, though. There was a particular junction in his career where he wasn't blind up to that junction, up to a fight where he got injured Um if my memory serves me correct, he got injured in a particular fight. He got a detached retina. Um, yep. And then uh, he got it, I believe he got it taken care of. And then he fought again. And then in a maybe it was his last fight of his career. I'm not sure. But then later in his career, obviously, he, he got injured again. Uh, I, I think it was, I don't know if it was the same. I, I believe it was. Yeah, I guess it was. And um, so he got injured again. So it's, he didn't have it his whole career, I guess, to the point that I'm trying to make. But look, he's a warrior. Uh, it makes me think if you really go back in the history of this sport, one of the greatest, not UFC, but boxing. Harry Greb, Ken, one of my favorite fighters, middleweight, the Pittsburgh windmill. I mean, just never stopped throwing punches. What a savage. You talk about savage? Yeah, Brisbane could be his cousin. They, they, they're they, cousin savages. I mean, in one in boxing, one in UFC, where uh, Harry Greb, uh, he, he never stopped. He never stopped. And he fought, we don't know how many fights, but he had about 300 fights, Ken. And we think the historians believe that he fought maybe 100 of them with one eye. And you got to remember, back in those <laughs> days, uh, detached retina was a big difference than it is today. You know what I mean? Where you could go in there with laser surgery. I mean, we're talking about the 20s. We're, yeah. we're talking about the 30s, 20s, 30, 20s, I guess, where you didn't go in there with laser surgery. You know what I mean? Uh, you might go in there with a pitchfork or something. I, I don't know. But not laser surgery. And he, uh, again, you're talking about fake your way and, you know, being a warrior and finding a way. Whatever. They, they uh, look, they didn't have... Obviously, the uh, medical procedures and, you know, ability to be able to find something wrong with you the way they could today. Uh, you know, obviously, they they didn't have that technology. But still, imagine he fought about 100 fights. And we're talking about back in the day when there were nothing but good fighters and they were all fighting each other. All of them. And, and he, he fights all those fights with one eye. So yeah there's a history to this stuff but now in uh in this you know in this uh day and age i, I don't i don't know even on an Indian reservation uh, where obviously they 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 can they are governed by themselves so they don't have to adhere uh to the rules that are out there to everyone else necessarily i get it but um I don't know. I don't know if that could happen, but I know Brisbane has is the kind of guy that would be game for it. That's you know <laughs> he he he'd be game for. He he's like uh, Carmen Basilio. After Carmen Basilio fought Robinson in a rematch, he beat him the first time. He fought Robinson in a rematch, Ken, and he had a, he looked like the Cyclops. His eye was like it was even worse than Ugas's. I mean, it was, it was forget about and. He he obviously couldn't see. And back then, it was the biggest sport in the country, bigger than baseball. So all the writers are there. And so as soon as the fight's over, they said, Carmen, Carmen. And they're giving him a little, you know, a little bit of a chance, have a little excuse, whatever you want, you know, explanation for losing a fight. They said, Carmen, you you only have one eye. Uh, If you had two eyes, would you have won the fight? Uh, is it because you only had one eye? And he goes, no. He goes, the other eye was working fine. <laughs> he, he, he goes, that it was no problem. He goes, but, but one eye was closed. You couldn't see. No, yeah, but the other one was good. You know, and that was
0: the mentality. In the NHL, you cannot play. If you have been called legally blind in one eye, you're out, no playing, period. End of story. It's not even a discussion. It's not like, oh, let me get a waiver. Let me, no. Nope. I'm just talking about the attitude of... Yeah, no, yeah, no, I know what you
1: mean. Brisbane has that same attitude, like... No, I get it. The medical department of things, uh, side of things, has to stand up. I get it. But there's got to be rules. I mean, there's got to be some rules. One
0: way I think they can get around is if they called it an exhibition and put it someplace like an Indian reservation, because that's a big money fight.
1: uh, Listen, you know what makes it... I don't want to be gruesome here, but... uh, but I will um, because we're down that road a little bit uh, as long as we're talking, But we really, because we know people like, we're at the point where if you put a Spider-Man 20, they're going to watch it. <laughs> people want that kind of entertainment. The, the, they want to see monster movies. They want their, their minds to be able to go out there to the greatest peaks of uh, imagination possible. They want to soar to, pl- to places where, you know, crazy places. If you want to really make sure that it's a mega, 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 mega hit, you know what you do? Yeah, Bisping take his eye out. <laughs> no, I'm just saying. I think no, as long it, as we're I, in I, this conversation, as long as we're here in, uh, in this room of conversation, right? Because either way, we we understand he's only got this special man that he is. And by the way, they just did a special documentary on him. It's it, it's incredible. From everything I've heard, I haven't seen it, but everything I've heard, Ken, it's incredible. Uh, quite a man, quite a man. But if you ever did that, and you you know, and you took the eye out, and you you had him go in there, boy, oh boy. I mean, ah. Uh, 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 there'd be standing room only i don't know that there'd
0: be any standing room you uh, you couldn't get a big enough place i saw that documentary and it's incredible michael bisbing has an incredible story i also read his book i mean what a he's had a he's had a wild life like really wild life and i know some crazy people but man michael business has been through a lot and uh Big fan of Bisbing. Um, one other thing. Uh, well, before I before we get into the, um, I want to quickly discuss the Fury, um, Dillian, Wi-Fi. But before I do, I just want to give a shout out to our number one sponsor, Athletic Greens. Obviously, I've been taking my Athletic Greens prior to the race. Just took it when I got back first thing after exercise. I always take Athletic Greens. Seventy-five whole food sourced ingredients. It's, it's an insurance policy for your body's health and immunity. Do yourself a favor and get some athletic greens, especially if you're working hard training. Even if you're not training, if you're just working hard, staying out late, hopefully not drinking too much. But if you are, you need to make sure you're getting the right vitamins, minerals, nutrients, et cetera, et cetera. Athletic greens has you covered. Like I said, consider an insurance policy if you're not doing the right things. And if you are doing the right things, it can't hurt to add that insurance level. You know who, you know, go ahead. I'm sorry, go ahead. Go to athleticgreens.com and use the promo code ATLAS for uh, 10 free travel packs with your first purchase. Athleticgreens.com, promo code ATLAS, 10 free travel packs with your first purchase. The travel packs are invaluable. Yeah. what were you going to say, Teddy?
1: Yeah, you got my attention, really, Anderson. When when you said, you know, for all purposes, like to read, Rejuvenate yourself to rehydrate you, to, to get the nutrients that if you're in an emergency situation, you know, if you're out too late drinking, you know, anything, whatever. Maybe take a deal away. I don't know why. but <laughs> he, he could use that stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah, because you know, sure. he went through a bad patch there where he wasn't looking good, you know, and obviously yeah. he was out late, maybe doing something. I'm not sure what. But it seemed like he I
0: think I had like teen idol marquee good looks. Now he looks like a bloated like a tick like he just got off a cruise. I, I too much though
1: <laughs> I mean uh when he was going through that bad patch, whatever, um and, and he was obviously doing something kind of late. In, it seemed late late at night. Um, you know, he could have used some of that stuff and he might need it because uh Jake Paul, who you just talked about, was on our show doing a nice Interview, I think, was a great peek at and who he really is behind the curtain, so to speak. When you get away from, you know, obviously all the promotional stuff and all that jazz. But as far as a man, as far as a person, uh, I think the interview was enlightening uh, in a lot of ways that way. But he mentioned De La Hoya as a possible opponent. So. You know, well, maybe you should send us cause some of some of the greens that you have. You
0: know, <laughs> I know, I feel bad because I couldn't help but interrupt but when he said De La Hoya, I couldn't help but to jump in and be like, "Stop, please, stop! Enough!" Like after seeing that last thing where he was supposed to fight someone else and then he does the video in a hospital bed, oh, I'm recovering from COVID. I'm like what? I bet all the tea in China that that was staged. Maybe it wasn't, but that's just my opinion. Maybe I'm wrong. But nevertheless, we recorded a fight plan for Tyson Fury versus Dillian White. It's going to be out Thursday. But just for a quick, um, a quick preview of that, Teddy, what, what should people be looking for in that fight? And again, the, the fight plan is up on Thursday. We we're in the ring in Trinity Boxing Club. Back home in New York. Um, the fight plan's awesome. You guys are going to love it. But for um, for a quick preview, just uh, tell people what they should look for in that one.
1: Danger. Danger and fury. I think there's danger. I think it's a real legitimate fight. He's a big guy. I know he's been knocked out twice. there Why do You wonder about his chin. He always gets hurt before the fight's over. Not always, but at a certain level, he's been hurt a couple of times before the fight's over, but he's recovered for, except twice. <laughs> but, um, so he's shown heart. Um, but he, he, he gets hurt out of nowhere, like do, before fight ends. And usually it's because he's doing obviously something wrong. And, but more importantly, he doesn't see the punch, but, Listen, he's a big guy. He can count a little bit. And Fury just decides – Fury is very dimensional. And he showed us those dimensions. He can go get you and he can box. You know, so if he decides to go get him, he better go get him the right way, behind the jab, the right way, in the right space. Because uh, he can count a little bit. Uh, and White, he can bang. He's a good puncher. He's a good body puncher. Like I said, he's a big son of a gun. I know how big Fury is. But White is a big man. Uh, he can. He's very experienced now. Uh, and and uh, you'd have to figure he's waited a long time now. You know he had a title shot a long time ago. He wasn't ready probably uh, against <laughs> against Joshua. He got stopped in that fight. I think around five rounds. But now, as years later, he's very experienced. He had to wait an awful long time as a mandatory. I mean, he he was waiting p- since before like Joe Lewis was born. It, it was crazy. And um, but he finally got the shot. Now the second shot at the title, he figured he's got to be hungry. He knows this is his last shot. He's got to make the most of it. It's home cooking for both guys uh, over there across the pond in Wembley stadium, a hundred thousand people are you know, they're both from, they're both from over there. Uh, You know, uh, he's right from, I think he's right from London fury, but uh, in that area of where he's lived most of his life anyway. But, he I mean there are things I think you'll find very interesting in a fight plan that both guys give the other guy a chance to capitalize on him and if they do the fight could suddenly end the fight could suddenly end they both have flaws even though Fury's undefeated uh you know he's, we've seen him on the floor but we've also seen him rise from the dead on the floor he, he's He's extraordinary that way. Uh, we also saw him rise right from the floor again against Wilder, uh, a second time in the in the third fight. So uh, we, at the end of the day, uh, it's it should be a competitive fight. He better be ready, Fury. I know that that sounds silly. Uh, you're always ready when you get in the ring, but sometimes we're human. Sometimes you overlook a guy, especially when you're on a streak of winning like Fury is. He better not overlook this guy White. Uh, it, it it would be a huge, hey, you overlook anyone, it's a huge mistake potentially, but it would be a huge mistake to be overlooked. Them. Like I said, I think the fight plan shows you some things that each guy can do to win the fight. There was opportunities for both guys to win. And that's what makes it a fight that's worth watching, that both guys, you know, you can make an argument. That both guys can win. I'll finish with this. There's an X factor hanging in the air uh, that just happened, and it, uh, the X factors can they can be flies and ointments sometimes. And you know, uh, is Fury's mind jumbled up a little bit now? You know, I know he's survived everything. He survived suicidal thoughts with uh, substance abuse, and and, and you know. Uh, Great Great Depression that he went through, give him credit for that uh, that that he went through a couple of years of that uh, and and he was able to defeat that. You figure a guy who'd defeat that I mean you know he's he, he's been in the darkest places that a human being can be in, and he found a way to find light uh, so he he might be untouchable with this stuff, maybe i don 't think anyone 's untouchable it depends on what point in your life to uh. For me, the X Factor would be his fury's mind jumbled up uh, with all the stuff flying around him about Daniel Kin- kill- uh, Kinahan, the drug cartel head, who was uh, Fury's friend and advisor, uh, you know, for for some years. And he was just sanctioned and. Uh, named by the United States Treasury Department, you know, as uh, the head of one of Europe's biggest drug cartels. And uh, you don't want the US government coming
0: down on you. Teddy, is is that that bad? It sounds bad. I'm just asking for a friend. Is that bad if you're in business with uh, the head of a drug cartel?
1: (laughs) I I don't Uh, think it sounds bad. I don't know. know. Someone was asking me. I don't think it's I mean, listen, ask Aaron. Aaron was uh, obviously in business with him uh, because he represents fury uh with ESPN obviously and and of course Frank Warren they they brought him over to ESPN and it's been great for ESPN I mean they paid him a lot of money to to get him but it's been great for ESPN being able to have the heavyweight champ the Lydia heavyweight champ and a guy who's a great promoter a guy who's a character a guy who's maybe the biggest star maybe biggest star than Canelo uh right now in boxing so yeah it's been great and obviously Arum doing business with Kenya Han. It's, it's not just fury, uh, to him. But now look, now, now that the United States, uh, now that the United Justice States government has stepped in, Department uh, of Justice. The Department of Justice and Treasury has stepped in. They usually in spend the percent- a lot of
0: time chasing their tails and uh, sending up false flags against drug cartels.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, isn't that much, ESPN, so-
0: ESPN, isn't that Disney? Disney who just canceled um, any reference to genders, boys and girls. Um, they have no problem with someone who's under investigation for um, being the head of a drug cartel. Again, I don't know. I'm asking for a friend. Someone I, don't ask know, me this. I don't know. I yeah. wanna...
1: I, listen, I I don't know. I mean, it's it's kind of like uh, Murderous Ink meets uh, Mother Mo- uh, Mother Goose. I don't know, uh, or da- or Daffy Duck or or Minnie Mouse or Mickey Mouse. But I don't know. I see but,
0: boxing uh, boxing people on Twitter, big boxing personalities that are involved in the sport, defending his involvement in the sport. And again, I don't know him from a lot. I've never like met him. I don't know anything about him, but Me, I know I if the either. DOJ, if the DOJ is investigating you and accusing you of these things, doesn't mean it's true, but they usually get convictions. You don't usually don't get found innocent when the FBI or the department of justice comes for you. Um, but, the, but I see people with big personalities, and big presence on in the boxing world on Twitter, especially defending him and saying like, no, he's a good guy, He's been nothing but good for boxing. I guess the other transgressions are. Can be Well,
1: I, I mean, listen, it's,
0: uh,
1: I mean, uh, if a guy, if, if it's true and a guy is what they say this guy is, um, <laughs> there's nothing good there. I mean, yeah, 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 your product kills people, kills children, destroys families, you know, um, and it, it kills people. So uh, I don't see how you defend that. But listen, uh, human beings can defend anything if it's if there's a gender attached to it or there's a you know, a reason for themselves and self-preservation or uh, or self-profit. Whatever, whatever. I don't know. I'm uh, Listen, I'm not here. I'm not here to judge anybody. I can only uh, say what I believe in and what I believe right and wrong it doesn't make me right. It just makes me of those beliefs. Uh, that's all. But at the end of the day, you know, uh, does this stuff, you know, everybody's right. you t- Talking about some people that defend them, but meanwhile, meanwhile, Aaron ain't one of them. You know, he, he he quickly. You know, what's that old saying? The rats are fleeing the ship pretty fast. Uh, he, he 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 found a life raft uh, really fast to get off that ship. You know, when because he understands better than most what it means when the Justice Department comes after you. That's where he started. He was a Harvard graduated lawyer who started with the Justice Department, you know, many, 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 many years ago before he became a promoter. Uh, when they were doing a, when they were investigating the, you know, the uh, the mob uh, controlling boxing, uh, the Keefab investigation, I believe it was called uh, way, way back when Frankie Carbo and Blinky Palermo used to control boxing. And, you know, they got involved and they they got those guys out of it pretty fast once they got involved. But uh, he was he was a guy. He was a young lawyer out of Harvard that was working with the Justice Department. You want to hear the story, the the legendary story? I don't know if it's accurate. I don't know if any of us. I know that it's plausible <laughs> and, and it sounds it's, it's a good story. Uh, he was working. He was working for the Justice Department. Uh, Arum. Uh, Obviously, a brilliant guy out of Harvard at uh, law school, and he uh they're investigating you know this uh these these mobsters that were running boxing and supposedly when the, when the, when it started to wind down, the investigation started to wind down, and obviously Adam was privy to all this information that was out there the you know that they were going after him about with the mob and everything. Apparently, uh, supposedly, the legend has it that Aaron went back to his somewhere, his office, whatever, and said to somebody, if these dopes can steal that much money, imagine how much I could steal. Um, <laughs> and, and, the next, and the next day, he, he put in for his promotional license and he said, and he handed his letter of resignation to the Justice Department. <laughs> I don't know. I don't, can, Ken, I can I don't know. I just know that we try to tell our fans whatever we know and um maybe they enjoy that story. It is a it is a uh, kind of a funny story to hear. Who knows? But but Aaron many, 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 many decades later, uh is is still around. And he knew <laughs> he knew one thing. Nobody had to tell him twice to uh disconnect himself. And disavow himself in every way to his, <laughs> to a guy who uh, a few months ago was saying, "Oh, he's a great guy." That's no, right. I mean he's on 100%. He's on videotape. 100%. He, he's a great guy. I yeah, trust but, him. He, he's a great. Yeah, but you partner. know the
0: old, you know the expression, Teddy. Yeah, I was lying then. Today, I'm telling the truth. Well,
1: that's Arum. That that, <laughs> that, that is Arum's quote. That 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 is owned
0: by Arum. That is owned by Arum. <laughs> but listen. I hope that everyone enjoyed this one. It's a short one. Again, it's my fault. I'm sorry. I'm in Boston and I'm scrambling around. I'm now going to try and run over to these award ceremonies. I appreciate you doing this with me, Teddy. Um, Thank you. Thank the fans. Guys, appreciate you guys being with us. And uh, Thursday, fight plan. Tyson Fury, Dillian White, going to be a good one. And I think you'll enjoy the fight plan. So um, thanks everyone for being with us. And we'll see you guys on Thursday.